Finally, Blackhawks prospect Samuel Savoy has signed his entry-level deal with the team. I'll talk about what Savoy projects to be at the NHL level and also discuss whether the Colorado Avalanche have what it takes to get back on top of the mountain. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, July 25th. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Go ahead, check me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and follow my strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also, just a quick reminder to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already, and I know well over 50% of the viewers right now aren't subscribed to the channel. What are you doing? Do me a quick favor, go and hit that subscribe button for me. It won't cost you anything. It helps me out tremendously, and also that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. And go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram as well to have a chance to win some cool free Blackhawks stuff as part of the giveaway that I'm having right now. I'll be talking more about that after the first ad break, so make sure to stay tuned for more details on the Lockdown Blackhawks giveaway. Also, wanted to let you know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash Lockdown for up to $200 in bonus bets. All right, good afternoon, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day. And to open things up on the show here today, let's talk about the exciting news that the Blackhawks just dropped a couple hours ago as 2023 third round pick, 81st overall selection, Samuel Savoy, baby, has finally signed his entry-level contract with the team. He gets a three-year entry-level deal per usual with a cap hit of just over $787,000 per year. And Savoy was, of course, the second of three third-round selections that general manager Kyle Davidson made in the 2022 NHL draft. The first was Gavin Hayes going at number 66 overall. Savoy went at number 81. And then Aiden Thompson, who I believe has a bright future as well, wound up going with the 90th overall pick. But for Savoy... We got our first look at him at Blackhawks development camp last summer, which with the timing of how things have gone in the last couple of off seasons, because things have been condensed a little bit due to the post COVID schedule, we're starting to get back to normal a little bit more, but the last two summers we've seen Blackhawks development camp. Unfortunately, this year it was all off ice, but last year development camp was held basically just three or four days, I believe following the 2023 NHL draft. So we got a good first look at the talent that the Blackhawks had selected in their 2022 draft class and getting an opportunity to see Samuel Savoy was a heck of a lot of fun. And I completely understand why Kyle Davidson uh, selected Savoy with the 81st overall pick, because even though he's only 
uh, five foot nine, five foot ten, right around 185, 190 pounds. He plays with an edge, and he is not scared of anyone out there. He loves to be physical. Funny enough, even with his teammates at Blackhawks Development Camp, he's trying to mix it up with those guys. Just loves mucking it up in the corners. He got an opportunity uh, in a couple of scrimmages playing on the same line as Paul Ludwinski, the second-round pick in 2022, uh, 39th overall selection, I believe. And both of them kind of play with the same mind frame. They're not necessarily known for their offense, but boy, do they love grinding it up in the corners and watching those two go to work together was a whole lot of fun. But uh, and, it, and speaking of fun, it seems like Samuel Savoy is always having fun out there on the ice as well. Seems like he's always got a huge smile on his face or he's sticking his tongue out at it as uh, at his opponents. You can just tell he loves playing the game of hockey and he loves crawling under people's skin and just kind of being an agitator out there. And it seems like he takes on that role with some pride. So uh, it, it was fun getting that first little bit of a glance at Samuel Savoy, who, oh my gosh, what an absolute beauty this kid is. And then he returned to the Gatineau Olympics of the QMJHL in the fall for uh, his second full season there. And he wound up having a heck of an offensive season as well. He tallied uh, 26 goals, 33 assists for 59 points in 60 regular season games as an 18-year-old mostly. He turned 19 back in March. But there was a stretch there, I believe, in the December-January time frame where Savoy was like a point-per-game guy. And I think he had a point in like 13 or 14 consecutive games. He was rattling it off offensively early on in the year. Wound up fading a little bit as the season came to a conclusion, but he did... Uh, still wind up chipping in for eight points in 13 postseason games for Gatineau. And all in all, just a major leap in terms of his development offensively this past season because, uh, you know, that was not what he was known for. And I still don't think that's what he's going to be known for, as I'll get into here in just a moment. But a point per game in his second full year in the queue at 18 years old, I mean, that's pretty darn impressive for Samuel Savoy. And because of that uh, surgence in his offense, he actually wound up playing on the top line a little bit for some stretches there for the Gatineau Olympics. So really good stuff out of Samuel Savoy in the QMJHL this past season. Uh, he also mentioned that despite, if you go and look at his numbers, he did rack up a pretty good slew of penalty minutes. Once again, he actually said that he thought he was a little bit more disciplined out there on the ice. Um, I don't know how true that is. Maybe in his brain, he thought he was a little bit more disciplined out there, but uh, that is something that he's going to have to work on if he wants to make it to the pro level. He can't be an absolute detriment to his team. And he kind of has to learn that there is a time and a place for his antics. And he may not necessarily be able to do that kind of stuff on every single shift. But he is headed back to Gatineau in the fall once again for his third full year there. But I do expect him to make the jump to the professional level following the end of this upcoming season. And it is nice to finally have him signed because basically all of the high-end picks that the Blackhawks made in the 2022 draft class uh, had already signed their ELCs at this point in time. So I was kind of just sitting over here, twiddling my thumbs, waiting for the news on my boy Samuel Savoy uh, because he is going to be quite a fun one if he winds up reaching the NHL level. And that takes me to the next point that I want to talk about here. What's Samuel Savoy's projection as an NHLer? And like I said a moment ago, even though he was a point or nearly a point per game guy in the queue for Gatineau this past season, I don't see offense ever being his forte at the professional level, not only just 
the NHL level, but I don't suspect that he's going to be a point per game guy in the AHL level either. And that's assuredly where he's going to go for a year or two. Whenever he does make the leap to the professional level, you know, the Blackhawks have their eyes on him. They brought him into preseason action last year. So they're looking forward to Samuel Savoy. And I expect him to be in Rockford, like I said, at the conclusion of this season. But as far as what I think he kind of projects to be, um, again, the offense isn't going to be his bread and butter. It's going to be the impact that he makes away from the puck. Now, I'd love to see him continue to defense, to develop the offensive side of his game and maybe give himself a better chance at those opportunities and maybe could be you know, a third liner capable of slotting up in the lineup at times with some more skill players if he's able to keep rounding out those parts of his game. But all in all, I do believe that he's going to be uh, a bottom six forward. And one thing in particular, I think he needs to work on not only keeping himself a little bit more disciplined, but I think he also really needs to start taking defense seriously because the way that he can agitate out there, the way that he likes to be physical and he's already capable of grinding it up. If he can become a responsible and a lockdown winger in the bottom six for the Blackhawks and can be someone that maybe can go out there and kill penalties and, like I said, bounce up and down the lineup and can be a very valuable bottom six guy. I really do think Samuel Savoy has the making of that if he kind of just starts putting his head on a little more straight and isn't – I love the agitator role, and I think that is going to give him a chance, but he does have to understand there's a time and a place for that. And defense, I think, should be his ultimate – aim point and should be a focal point of what he's trying to develop in his game at this point in time. Because if he does that, I think there is a good chance that he's a staple of the Blackhawks bottom six for quite a long time. And if that does go well, I could see him being maybe like a little bit more of a physical Michael Froelich. I know he was a very good NHLer and I don't want to, you know, blow, blow smoke uh, to you Blackhawks fans right now, comparing Froelich, who was a good NHLer, like I said, but I really do see Uh, Samuel Savoy having that type of role if all goes well in his development over the next couple of years. All right, folks, super stoked that Samuel Savoy has officially signed his entry-level contract. Coming up in just a moment, uh, a moment, excuse me, I will keep up with the prospect talk as Team USA's World Junior Summer Showcase begins later on this week. But first, I need to talk to you all about FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball at FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And plus when you win, you get paid out instantly. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash lockdown to get $200 in bonus bets right now. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Real quick, if you haven't done so already, please make sure you're subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I'm really trying to boost the numbers up right now. And if you're subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube and following Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram, 
you'll have an opportunity to win some cool free Blackhawks stuff as part of the giveaway that I'm doing right now here on Locked On Blackhawks. All you have to do in order to qualify, you have to subscribe to the YouTube channel, you have to be following Locked On Blackhawks on Instagram, and then quickly DM Locked On Blackhawks on Instagram a picture or a screenshot that proves that you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. That's all you have to do. You'll have an opportunity to win some cool free stuff. I've posted all the items involved in the giveaway on the Lockdown Blackhawks Instagram channel. You can go and check it out there. And and the lucky winner will be able to select one item of their choosing. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram as well. Quite honestly, I think I'm going to be choosing the winner once I reach 250 followers on Instagram. So everyone out there right now, if you're not following the channel at this point in time, go and do that real quick to have an opportunity to win some cool free Blackhawks stuff, courtesy of yours truly here on Lockdown Blackhawks. All right, enough of that. Segment two, kind of piggybacking off of the Samuel Savoy talk. I also wanted to mention that uh, the World Juniors Summer Showcase begins later this week. It actually kicks off on Thursday and there are a handful of Blackhawks prospects that are getting some work in at the moment and for the next couple of weeks with Team USA. And there were also a couple of other Blackhawks prospects that were part of Team Canada's uh, virtual meetings that they had. They didn't hold the summer camp as I'll discuss here in just a second. But for Team USA, it's certainly a little bit of a exciting time here in the summer when We usually get a lull in all the hockey news, and there's not that much going on. Team USA is actually holding their summer showcase from July 27th, which is Thursday, until August 4th up in Plymouth, Michigan, with Finland and Sweden also taking part on the action. And there's going to be eight games held, two every day from the 29th. Uh, Excuse me, there's going to be two games on four days. It's an eight-day-long event. Four days, we'll have two games a pop. Those are on the 29th, the 31st, the 2nd, and the 4th. And the games also will be streamed live at usahockeytv.com. So for any of you Blackhawks fans out there trying to get uh, another peek at a couple of Blackhawks prospects over the summer, there's an opportunity to do so at usahockeytv.com. And by the way, there are four Blackhawks prospects who are taking part in this showcase in the next couple of weeks. And those four are Frank Nazar, Oliver Moore, Gavin Hayes, and Sam Renzel. And for those who are unaware, this is just a little good summer competition and just an opportunity for uh, the United States and also Sweden and Finland, of course, to kind of get a, a little bit more evaluations on these players who are attempting to make their respected countries' national teams for uh, the 2024 IIHF World Junior Championship, which as always, begins the day after Christmas later on this winter. So there's a lot of these guys trying to leave lasting impressions and trying to give off some good looks to be in good graces heading into the World Juniors later on this fall. As far as these four go for the United States, I think Frank the Tank and... um, who did I forget? Frank the Tank and Oliver Moore, of course, the second first-round selection for the Blackhawks in 2023. I think those two are... At this point, pretty much locks to be on the United States World Juniors team, and they could even be, uh, you know, a couple of the top six or top nine centers for Team USA, depending on how their roster is all going to shake out. As far as Gavin Hayes and uh, Sam Renzel go, we're going to have to see what happens in camp. Uh, Gavin Hayes, though, did have a really impressive season with 
the Flint Firebirds in the OHL, and his shot drew some recognition. I remember him getting voted as uh, one of the best goal scorers in the league and having one of the hardest shots as well. So he's starting to pop up on some folks' radars after a 41-goal campaign last year. I wouldn't rule Gavin Hayes out for making the team. And Sam Renzel, even though he was back in the USHL, a big six foot four, smooth skating right-handed defenseman. I don't know how many of those the United States are going to have. So I'm not going to rule out that uh, those two don't make the team either. Could have a slew of Blackhawks prospects suiting up for the United States at the World Juniors in the winter, which you would love to see. And then as I referenced a little bit ago, Hockey Canada did not have uh, and will not have a summer evaluation camp here, and they're not going to be taking part in the showcase, but they did have virtual meetings for this summer, and they had 45 players take part in those virtual meetings, and among them were three Blackhawks prospects in Kevin Korchinski, Paul Ludwinski, and none other than Samuel Savoy, who just signed his entry-level contract, of course. Um, but it's looking like Team Canada is not going to be quite as stacked and littered with uh, Blackhawks prospects as they were this past this past winter, where the whole left side of their blue line was Blackhawks prospects and Nolan Allen, Ethan Dalmastro, and Kevin Korchinski. Uh, for Kevin, he is going to be an absolute stud for Team Canada in the World Juniors this fall. I firmly believe that. He didn't have a huge role for them, but was one of the younger defensemen on the team. Now that a lot of the Older blue liners have graduated and aren't eligible for this tournament anymore. I suspect Korchinski is either going to be playing on the top pairing or the second. Uh, he's going to be quarterbacking the power play and should have a really massive role on Team Canada's squad. For Paul Lewinsky and Samuel Savoy, I do kind of think they have an outsider's chance, a small chance that they wind up making Team Canada's roster. Um, Paul Lewinsky, I, I do think, is the one who has a little bit of a better shot considering He's a little bit bigger than, uh, not by much, but is a little bit bigger than Samuel Savoy is. And I do think out of those two, he's the one that probably has better offensive instincts. Now, that's not to say that Savoy can't make it either uh, over Ludwinski, but quite honestly, I have a hard time seeing either of those two suiting up for Team Canada. It could wind up being only Kevin Korchinski. Hopefully one of those two find a way to sneak onto Team Canada's squad, though, before Christmas comes. All right, folks, coming up in just a moment, don't go anywhere as I still have to get into my Central Division preview on the Colorado Avalanche. Before I wrap things up, I do want to let you all know about the cool stuff that I have planned for Lockdown Blackhawks here in the next couple of weeks. Of course, make sure to go and subscribe, like this uh, video, go and comment down below as always to help drive the CEO in my favor. Also, go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram as well to have a chance to win some cool free stuff in the giveaway that I'm having. But as far as the videos go, uh, I recently had a conversation with John Chick from Lockdown Rangers talking about Patrick Kane's future. And you're going to be seeing a heck of a lot more crossovers coming out in the next couple of months as we start to creep towards the beginning of training camp and all that good stuff. I'm going to be having a conversation actually in the next couple of days with the folks from Lockdown Avalanche. I'm sure I'll be having a chat with Seth Topal from Lockdown Wild here soon. A lot of Central Division crossovers as, fittingly, I'm breaking down the rest of the teams in the Central Division right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel so you don't miss out on any of that good stuff. All right, segment three, without any further ado, it's time to get into 
Uh, my next Central Division preview here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, where I take a deeper look at each of the other seven clubs in the NHL Central Division. I've already gone over the St. Louis Blues, the Nashville Predators, and the Winnipeg Jets. If you want to check that out, if you missed it, you can easily do so by going in. Uh, checking out my YouTube channel, go and hit the subscribe button while you're there. Thank you very much. But today I'm going to be getting into the Colorado Avalanche. Of course, the 2022 Stanley Cup champions who are looking to get back on top of the mountain this upcoming season and getting into the Avs despite not having Captain Gabriel Landeskog at all last season. They still wound up finishing 51-24-7. and for a whopping 109 points, that was good for first in the Central Division. However, they had their momentum stopped in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs as they were bested by a surprise squad in the Seattle Kraken, who just had a never-say-die attitude and kind of honestly outworked the Colorado Avalanche in that first-round series. And I'm sure it was a a little piece of humble pie served to the Avs after, uh, you know, of course, winning the Stanley Cup in pretty dominant fashion. No one really tested them all that much. And then despite not having Landy, they come out there and run through the Central Division once again. Probably was a little bit of a reminder just how difficult it is to win in the National Hockey League. And with the season coming to that disappointing close as well, it was a, a crucial offseason moving forward for the Avs, too, because of all the limited cap space that they have. Um, they had to say bye to a lot of decently key pieces over the last few years. They lost JT Comfer in free agency, as well as Eric Johnson. Lars Eller and Matt Nieto weren't signed to the team. Darren Helm wound up retiring. They ended up trading uh, former first-round pick Alex Newhook in the offseason as well. But I, I will admit they did also, I think, Chris McFarland, their general manager, did a, a good job. Is that his name? Am I tweaking right now? Not, now i got to look this up. Yeah, it is Chris McFarland. I don't know why I didn't think it was Chris McFarland, but uh, I, I will admit Chris McFarland, I thought, did a pretty good job considering the hand that he was dealt not a whole lot of wiggle room, some pretty valuable pieces potentially leaving. I, I thought he did a pretty good job minimizing the losses and also adding some intriguing pieces that will give the Avalanche an opportunity to kind of retool things a little bit on the fly and get back into the mix for the Stanley Cup once again. Breaking down all of their offseason moves, um, first they wound up signing Miles Wood. That was probably the most notable offseason move that they made, especially because they wound up giving him a six-year deal from the New Jersey Devils at $2.5 million. Probably will be a big part of their third line moving forward. Uh, they also took a chance and signed Jonathan Druen, a former high round, high first-round pick, to a one-year deal at $825,000. They brought back Andrew Cogliano, who's been a big part of their bottom six the last couple seasons as well. They traded for Freddie Olofsson in exchange for uh, – our boy future considerations and wound up giving him a one-year deal. And then uh, Jack Johnson, who of course the Blackhawks sent over to Colorado his former team in exchange for Andreas England. They brought him back as well uh, at a one-year deal at the league minimum 35 and up contract at $775,000. While they didn't necessarily make the biggest splashes in the free agent market where Chris McFarland did most of his work and probably his best work 
was in the trade market over the last month or so as we saw the Avalanche acquire Ross Colton from the Tampa Bay Lightning, taking advantage of their limited cap space and getting him for uh, the 37th overall pick in this past year's draft. They also acquired a 2023 first-round pick, which turned into defenseman Mikhail Gulyayev in a 2023 second-round pick in exchange for Alex Newhook, which... Yeah, I do think they punted on him a little early, but that's a pretty darn good return considering the struggles that Alex Newhook has experienced early on in his NHL career. And then they also got uh, Ryan Johansson basically for free. I mean, the Nashville Predators retained half of his salary and they only had to give up Alex Galchenyuk in return, who's not even on the Nashville Predators or another NHL club at this point in time. So that was a really good deal. I mentioned the Freddie Olofsson and Jack Johnson trades already as well from uh, well, Jack Johnson was at the deadline. Olofsson was also in the summer as well. But adding Ross Colton, Ryan Johansson, and getting a, a first and second round pick for Alex Newhook, I would say all in all, pretty good summer of trades for Avs general manager Chris McFarlane. And then that gave them two first round picks in the 2023 NHL draft. They had their own selection of uh, Callum Ritchie at number 27, who was someone I, I liked and had him ranked a little bit higher in the 20s. And Mikhail Gulyayev was another defenseman that I was high on as well, and I thought this was a really solid value pick for the Avs at number 31. But getting that second first-round pick is super crucial for Colorado when you understand just how limited they are in terms of their prospect pool and the draft capital that they've had in the last couple of years. They've only had seven selections in the last two NHL drafts and only 11 total over the last three. And according to Scott Wheeler at the midway point of last uh, season, the Colorado Avalanche ranked dead last in prospect pool. They have the worst prospect pool in the entire NHL. It probably looks a little bit better now considering that They've drafted Mikhail Gulyayev and Callum Ritchie, although neither of them I personally project to be like game breakers or anything, hence why they went a little bit later. That deepens the prospect pool a little bit, but they still are remarkably thin. And it's just going to be intriguing to see what happens with the Colorado Avalanche over these next few years. But regardless of the lackluster prospect pool, they do have enough right now, undoubtedly, to still make a run and to be one of the top teams in the entire NHL. Um, they have a cup caliber forward group, especially even though Gabriel Landis Cog, their captain, is going to miss the entirety of this season again. They still have Nathan McKinnon, Miku Rantanen, Val Nachushkin, Arturi Lekkanen. They go out and add Ryan Johansson. They add Ross Colton. They add Miles Wood. I've always really liked uh, Logan O'Connor in a bottom six role. Andrew Cogliano is a very responsible defensive-minded forward. They added Frederick Olofsson. They're taking a chance on Jonathan Drouin. I think they have a really, really solid forward group, one of the best in the entire NHL, and they match it up with a pretty solid defensive core as well, despite losing Eric Johnson in the offseason. They still have Devon Taves, Kale McCarr, of course, Samuel Girard, Bowen Byram, who they got a deal done with as an RFA. There were some worries about that. They also have Josh Manson and Curtis McDermott. That adds some size as well. The question to me is whether or not um, Georgiev or Pavel Francouz, are, are, is that duo going to be good enough to get the job done for the Colorado Avalanche come playoff time? That's 
probably question number one for me for this Colorado Avalanche squad. Is their goaltending duo good enough? And two, are they capable of winning without their captain, Gabriel Landeskog? Those are the two biggest questions that I have for the Avalanche heading into this season. But as far as my prediction goes, I firmly believe they do have enough star talent to finish in the top two of the Central Division. And I don't say that lightly because the Central Division is regularly one of the toughest in the entire NHL. I think the Avalanche are still good enough to win 45, 50 games next season. I I really do. Um, But there is still doubt in my mind about whether they can get over that hump with that goalie duo and without their true leader in Gabriel Landeskog. And it's tough that he's going to miss the entirety of this season. Um, One thing I will say, and it's probably easier for me to say as a non-Colorado Avalanche fan, I think it's okay if they don't win the Stanley Cup this year without Gabriel Landeskog, because when you look at the shape of this roster and with the salary cap finally expected to go up, the Colorado Avalanche are going to be pretty set. I mean, they have Nathan McKinnon locked in, Val Nachushkin locked in, Arturi locking in. Uh, They just signed Miles Wood to a good deal. Bowen Byram signed on. Kale McCarr signed on. They have a lot of their key pieces signed on. The only real worry is Miku Rantanen only has two years left on his current deal. He's really the only star that we could see depart Colorado in the next four to five years, I believe. So at the end of the day, yeah, it's going to be disappointing for Avs fans if they don't win this year. I believe they have a team that's good enough to contend. But even if they don't, this team is still set up to to be competitive for a long, long time. That's what the Chicago Blackhawks are trying to get back to being is competitors for a long, long time. The Colorado Avalanche have a roster good enough to do that. I don't think they'll get over the hump this year if I have to guess, but I do believe that they're going to wind up finishing in the top two of the Central Division and making the playoff with ease despite not having Gabriel Landeskog. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Tuesday, July 25th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free right now, wherever you may be listening to your podcast and to go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube. That way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Go and check me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman too. And also go and show some love to my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey. You can get all the latest Blackhawks news and updates there. Until the next episode, folks, that's going to do it for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.